right, for our scripture reading, let's turn now to Genesis chapter 47. Genesis chapter 47. Our text this evening, just a few verses which begin in verse 7. Genesis chapter 47. And Joseph brought in Jacob his father and set him before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Jacob, How old art thou? And Jacob said unto Pharaoh, The days of the years of my pilgrimage are an hundred and thirty years. Few and evil have the days of the years of my life been, and have not attained unto the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from before Pharaoh. We'll end our reading there. Let's bow together in prayer. Our great God, our holy, just, and merciful Heavenly Father, Lord, we come into your courts this evening with thanksgiving. Oh, how thankful we are that you are God alone, ruling and reigning in your universe, bringing to pass your eternal will and purpose. Every event goes, that goes on in this creation is done by your will and your purpose to accomplish your goodwill for your glory and the salvation of your people. Father, how thankful we are that you are the one who's in control. And Father, how thankful we are that in your sovereign power you've seen fit to be merciful to sinners through the obedience and the sacrifice of your Son. Oh, how thankful we are. And Father, we've met here together this evening with a desire to hear a word from Thee, to be able to worship Thee in spirit and in truth. Father, I pray that You'd be pleased this evening to send Your Spirit upon us and enable us to worship. Enable us to forget about the affairs of this life. And Father, set our affection on things above. Enable us to to hear the gospel, the good news of Christ our Savior. Father, what human being can possibly be sufficient for this? Father, I'm not sufficient to be able to preach your gospel, your word to your people. Father, I beg you to enable me by your spirit. And your people are not able of ourselves to be able to hear and to worship. Father, I pray you'd send your spirit upon us and enable us to do that this evening. Enable us to behold the glory of Christ our Savior and leave here rejoicing in him. Father, what we pray for ourselves, we pray for your people, wherever they might meet together tonight to worship. Father, bless your word. Cause it to go forth in power in this dark, dark day in which we live. Father, use your word preached to show us your glory, we pray. And Father, we pray for those that you brought into the time of trouble and trial. There, there are many, those who are heartbroken, those who are recovering from surgeries and in deep waters and difficult places. Father, we are thankful to know these things are not an accident but they're your eternal purpose and will being carried out for your people. Father, I pray you comfort the hearts of your people. 
Be with your people in this time. Deliver as soon as it could be thy will. Now again, Father, we beg of thee that you'd give us a word from thee this evening. Let us worship. For it's in Christ's name, for his sake and his glory we pray. Amen. Now I've titled the message this evening, Jacob Blessed Pharaoh. I want us to get this scene in our mind's eye. What happened on this evening? And this is Pharaoh's throne room. I mean, this is the seat of power in the whole world. And Joseph brings his father, Jacob, in to meet Pharaoh. And Jacob comes in the room, and the first thing he does when he comes in the room is Jacob blesses Pharaoh. You see that in verse 7? And Joseph brought in Jacob, his father, and set him before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And then Jacob and Pharaoh have a short conversation, at least what is recorded for us is a short conversation. There may have been more, but what what is recorded is a short conversation. And then Jacob leaves. And as he leaves, he blesses Pharaoh again. Verse 10, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from before Pharaoh. Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Now that got my attention. I know what scripture has to say about that. Without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. That's true, isn't it? So the natural man would look at Pharaoh and he'd look at Jacob and say, well, Pharaoh is the one who should be blessing Jacob. I mean, this sounds all backwards, doesn't it? Pharaoh is the most powerful man in, in the world, almost certainly the richest man in the world. Jacob is only living in Egypt based upon the kindness of Pharaoh. You'd think Pharaoh would be the one to have to bless Jacob, wouldn't you? Jacob is a broken down old man. His life has been full of hardships and heartache. Full of them. The only thing Pharaoh has known is a life of privilege and ease. All he's ever known. Jacob, 130 years old, has never owned any land. He's been a just a stranger on the land wherever he's been. Very soon, Pharaoh is going to own all the land of Egypt. He's going to own the deed to it all. Not just rule over it. He's going to own the deed to it all. We would think Pharaoh's got to be the one blessing Jacob here, wouldn't we? But that's not what happened. Now think of this from Jacob's perspective. Jacob comes in this room, the throne room, and he blesses Pharaoh because to Jacob, it seemed like the obvious thing to do. Jacob wasn't being cocky. He wasn't being condescending. He was actually acting in kindness that the better would bless the lesser. It was a kindness. It was just obvious to him. This is what he should do. And I'll illustrate that with this example. I have been blessed to be have been around some men that I consider to be great men. Now, I know they were only men, but they were great men. And I really, really appreciated them. And I'll pick out one of them to illustrate my point. Jan's grandfather, his name was Grayson Conley. Grayson Conley was a giant of a man. We were talking about him the other night. Jonathan said, he came in the room. I mean, he just had a presence. 
He never, he wasn't throwing his weight around. He wasn't, but he just had a presence about him. He was a hardworking man. And he considered it his responsibility to look out for his family. It didn't matter how well his children ended up doing in life. He always still considered it his responsibility to take care of his family, to take care of his neighbors, anybody in the community that, that you know, he found out needed help, he'd go help them. I mean, that's the way this man lived his life. Now, when I came on the scene, Grandpa was an older man. But when I was with him, there's just an obvious pecking order. It was obvious. He's the teacher. I'm the student. We go out for a cup of coffee or go out for lunch. He's picking up the check. Ain't no sense arguing with him. He's picking up the check. And it wasn't an arrogance about it. This, to him, is just the natural order of things. I take care of you. You don't take care of me. It was just a natural order of things. And everybody knew it. Everybody, Because this, this is the way the man carried himself. That's the way Jacob saw this situation with Pharaoh. When he came in to meet Pharaoh. He wasn't being cocky. He was being kind. And he blessed Pharaoh. You see, Jacob really was the better, wasn't he? By God's grace, he was. Jacob knew God. Pharaoh didn't know God. As far as we know, Pharaoh did not know God. The Lord had been pleased to reveal himself to Jacob. The Lord had come to Jacob and given him the promises of his grace. The Lord had promised Jacob that the Messiah would come through him. Jacob knew that. When it came time to bless his sons, he knew exactly who that Messiah was coming through. It was coming through Judah. There was no doubt about that. Jacob knew that. The Lord revealed that to him. Jacob was what he was by the grace of God. He was the better. And he blessed Pharaoh. Now I see that as a picture of the Lord blessing his people. The Lord is the better, isn't he? And we're the lesser. And he blesses his people and kindness, and pity for thee. Now, it occurred to me to wonder. I wonder what blessing Pharaoh gave Jacob, or Jacob gave Pharaoh. I wonder. I mean, I know what blessing he gave his sons. That's recorded for us. It's not recorded here what Jacob said to Pharaoh, but I wonder what it is, what blessing it is that Jacob gave to Pharaoh. I can tell you I'm pretty sure about this. I think I'm on solid ground on this to say that the blessing was not physical. It was a material blessing. Pharaoh already had more of this earth's goods than he could ever use up. And Jacob already knew how fleeting those things were. Look at verse 8. And Pharaoh said unto Jacob, How old art thou? Now most people think that Jacob is the oldest person that Pharaoh had ever seen. And he was showing respect to Jacob because of Jacob's age. Now, I know Jacob was related to Joseph. That's what got him in the throne room, right? He's related to Joseph. But Jacob got a whole lot of respect because of his age. You know, people did not sit in Pharaoh's presence. But Jacob did. They brought a chair in for Jacob. And he sat in in Pharaoh's presence. And I'm sure his blessing is not a physical blessing because of his answer to that question. How old are you? In verse 9, Jacob said unto Pharaoh, The days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. Few and evil have the days of the years of my life been, 
and I have not attained unto the days of the years of the life of my fathers and the days of their pilgrimage. Now Jacob, in his answer, teaches us three things. First, Jacob teaches us this. Life is short. Life is short. The years of our lives, they're measured in days. They're not measured in years. They're not measured in decades. A man 130 years old not even measured his life in centuries. Days. Days. That's how long this thing is. Jacob says, you know, if you think 130 is old, you should see my dad, my granddad. They lived 175 and 180. And they would say their lives passed so quickly. You know, no matter how long, how many days it is that we live, on our deathbeds, you know what we're going to say? This passed so quickly. It passed so quickly. We're going to say with David, my life's been that long. A hand breath. That's how long David said, my, it's just been that long. We'll say with Joe, my life has been faster than a weaver shuttle. Just, and it was gone. It's over. You know, no matter how many material blessings the Lord gives you in this life, you're just going to be using them for a short time. And you're going to leave them to somebody else, and they're going to use them for just a very short time. But spiritual blessings, those are eternal. Those can never be lost. And that's what Jacob wanted for Pharaoh, I'm just sure of it. Second, Jacob taught us this. Life is hard. Don't expect it to be anything else. Don't expect it to be anything but hard. Jacob says, those few short days that I've lived, they've been full of evil. They've been evil days. Job said the same thing. Man that's born of woman is a few days. And those few days are full of trouble. They're full of trouble. Now for the believer, I I can't necessarily... Speak for, for unbelievers. I know unbelievers have lives that, that, that are full of, of trouble too. And maybe they're going to, maybe an unbeliever will have a life that's just, man, they never have any trouble. David says, looks like that to me. There are no bands in their death. You know, everything goes great for them. But for the believer, our life is going to be one trouble after another. One trial after another. You know, when we're young, believers is young in the faith. There's going to be a storm, and then there's some blue sky. And then there's another storm, and then there's some more blue sky. Well, as life goes on, you know, it's going to be one storm and a little bit of blue sky. And one storm and a sliver of blue sky. Just one storm right after another, after another, after another. That's how the believer is going to live this life. He's going to be tried that way. That's what the Lord promised us, isn't it? In this, in this world, you shall have tribulations. So don't be surprised when the Lord sends them to you. But you know, to the believer, those trials, those heartaches, those days of evil, even those things are a blessing to the believer. It doesn't seem like it when we're going through it, but afterward we realize that was a blessing. Because you know what those trials teach us to do? They teach us to number our days. They teach us to remember this life is just a few days. These trials teach us to number our days so that we'll apply our hearts to wisdom. That's what David said. These trials teach me, seek after Christ. 
The time is short. Seek after Christ. Trials teach us to depend on Christ. Depend on the Lord to provide. Depend upon the Lord to deliver. Depend on Him for everything. Don't depend on the arm of the flesh for anything. You can't depend on it. It's too weak. Depend on the Lord. Trust Him. Now, if the Lord teaches you that, if the Lord sends you something that teaches you trusting, if the Lord teaches you something that makes you seek Him, makes you look after Him, it teaches you, I know I can trust the Lord. I know it because He's proven Himself faithful to me. If the Lord teaches you that, brother, you're blessed. I mean, you're blessed. You are blessed so much more than if the Lord never sent you a trial in the first place. You're blessed because you've been taught to look to Christ. So I'm just sure, based on what Jacob said here, he's not asking that Pharaoh be have a life that doesn't have ever any trouble or trials in it, because that wouldn't be best, would it? So it's not a material blessing. And the third thing Jacob teaches us here, this life, it's a pilgrimage. You know, I thought about that. We, we refer to believers as a, as a pilgrim, don't we? But you know, every human being is on a pilgrimage. Every last one of us is going somewhere. We're going somewhere for eternity. And since we're just passing through this place, I'm telling you, we be wise not to put too much stock in it. We're just passing through. This world is like a hotel room. You know, when you get a hotel room, you're just staying there for a night, aren't you? I mean, if you are going on vacation, you stay there for seven days. That's a lot. It's just a very short time, just a day. Just Even if it's a week, it's such a short time, and then you're not going to be there anymore. Now, when I travel, I have to tell you this. I like a nice hotel room. I do, because I want to be comfortable. I mean, comfort is... The older I get, I, I used to sleep on the floor and just, you know, nothing by. Now every little thing causes me pain and just, I mean, comfort's high on the list, you know. When Jan and I are first married, first of all, we could never afford to stay in a hotel room. I mean, I don't care where we were going. Aaron, we had to drive all the way through. I mean, no staying in a hotel. But if we did, you know where we stayed? Motel 6. Motel 6. And this is why I learned that's not very comfortable. Now, I'm not disparaging Motel 6. They leave the light on for you. I mean, you know, fine folks. But you know what I mean. You can find a more comfortable place to stay, can't you? And now, thankfully, you know, we traveled. Jan and I were able to get a a nicer room, you know, than what we used to get. But you know what? We don't stay stay there any longer we did Motel 6. It's just a night. And I don't care what hotel we stayed in. One thing I never did was rearrange furniture. Never. I never painted the walls. I never bought new sheets or, or a new shower curtain. I never put new paintings on the wall. I didn't, I didn't say, well, you know, this painting looked better over here. I, I never did any of that. There's no use. We're just staying a day. Just one night. And that's how the believer should look at this world. It really is not, not be a good citizen. You know what I'm saying. Be a good worker. Be a, a, a good employee. Be a good neighbor. By all means, be a great husband. Be a great wife. Be a great parent. Be, but don't get too caught up in the goings on of this world. The governance of this world. I, we're just pilgrims passing through. 
We don't belong here. We don't stay here. Now, take care of what the Lord's given you. Whatever it is that the Lord has given you, you take care of it. You take care of your home. You take care of your family. You, you, whatever it is the Lord's given you, you take care of it. Just like when you go to a hotel room, man, you don't tear the place up and then leave. I mean, you know, you're just staying there for a day, but it's not yours. You don't tear it up. Take care of what God's given you. But just realize this. It's temporary. It's temporary. Here we're gearing up for uh, another presidential election. Vote your conscience and forget about it. Who really cares? Honestly, who really cares? Let the pot shards of this earth strive with the pot shards of this earth. Our concern is where we're going eternally, not what we're passing through temporarily. And I can show you that. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11. Verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and they were persuaded of them. They embraced them. They held on to them, and they confessed that they're strangers and pilgrims in the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they'd been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. If you wanted to have an opportunity to hang on to stuff of this world, you got the opportunity. But now, these that died in faith, they desire a better country. They desire something better than this world. That is in heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. If you, if you trust Christ, Almighty God has prepared for you a city. And that's where you're going. Let's not get our eye off the ball. You reckon? So the best that Jacob could have wanted for Pharaoh, it's a nice motel room. That, that's all, you know, that's, that's the best you can get. Because Pharaoh, just like all the rest of us, are pilgrims passing through this land. And that's why I say, I'm just sure Jacob's blessing wasn't physical. It was spiritual. Jacob gave a spiritual blessing to Pharaoh. Because that's the only blessing Jacob knew about. That's the only one he knew about. Jacob knew about the spiritual blessing he'd been given in Christ. Jacob knew about that because he had experienced God's grace. He knew it by experience. And you know that, that same blessing is the blessing that the Lord's given all of us. If you trust Christ, now you got the same blessing that Jacob had. You think you had the very same blessing that Jacob had. And that's what we want for others, isn't it? Now, like I say, I have, I don't have any idea about the, any details at all of Jacob's blessing for Pharaoh. But I do know quite a few details of the Lord's blessing for his people. And that's what I want us to look at is, uh, before we quit. Look over to Ephesians chapter 1. This is how the Lord the better blesses his people. Ephesians 1. First, the Lord's blessing for his people 
It's a rich blessing. Rich blessing. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. The blessing that the Lord gives his people, it's not just some things. Gary, it's everything. It's everything. The Lord blesses his people with every blessing that there is. He's rich in mercy. He's rich in grace. He's prepared for them a city. And when you get there, you're going to have everything you need to be a bona fide citizen of that, of that city. He's given you everything. Second, the Lord's blessing of his people is the blessing of election. Verse 4. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Now, there can't be anything more plain in all the word of God than this. The father elected a people to save. He chose the people that he would save and he passed everybody else by. The father chose specifically by name who it was he would save out of Adam's fallen race. Now here's the good news if you're a sinner. Those people that God chose, they didn't have to be good enough for God to choose them. God didn't have to look down through the telescope of time and say, well, this one's better than this one, so I'll choose this one. You don't have to be good enough for God to choose you. The Father chose a people even though there was no good in them whatsoever. The Father chose them in Christ. He chose those people and accepted those people on the merits of Christ, not on their merit. You don't have to have any merit of your own for God to, to choose you. He chose a people who don't deserve it. Now those people are blessed. Can you think of a greater blessing than the Father choosing to save you? Listen to what David said in Psalm 64, or 65, verse 4. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee that he may dwell in thy courts. That man that God has chosen is blessed. Blessed beyond human words. Third, the Lord's blessing of his people is the blessing of holiness. Verse 4 says at the end of the verse that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. See, the Father didn't choose a people because they were holy. The Father chose a sinful people that he'd make holy. He's going to make them holy. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, would come and he would make those people righteous. They weren't righteous. They couldn't make themselves righteous. Christ came to make them righteous by his obedience for them as their representative. And Christ would make his people righteous by his sacrifice. He would be made sin for them that they might be made righteous, made the righteousness of God in him. And Christ would put that sin away by the sacrifice of himself. His blood would wash it away and they're righteous. The sin's gone. If you have no sin, that means you're righteous. And then the Holy Spirit would come and he'd make those people holy. He'd make them holy by causing them to be born again with a new holy nature. A nature that would never sin. They're righteous and they're holy because that's the way God made them. They, you don't have to be holy in order for God to save you. He makes his people holy. Now that God, the holy God who is in need of nothing 
He's, he's the better, we're the lesser. The fact that he would make a guilty sinner holy. That's a miracle both of God's power that he could make a guilty sinner holy and a miracle of his grace that he would make a sinner righteous and holy. Now whoever it is that Almighty God made holy, they're blessed. They're blessed because without this holiness, no man shall see the Lord. You know what that tells me? Everybody God made holy is going to see the Lord. They're going to see him face to face. I don't know what's going to happen between here and there. But if God made you holy, I know how it's going to end up. You're going to see him. You're going to see him. Now that's a blessing. Fourth, the Lord's blessing of his people is the blessing of adoption. Verse 5, it says, Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. The Father chose a people to redeem. And by his will, he chose a people to make his children. They didn't have to be good enough to become a child of God. They didn't have to be good enough that God would choose them to make them part of his family. The Father, in his will, it's all up to him. It's up to his will. He could have chosen any son of Adam to adopt into his family. Any son of Adam. You know, the illustration, I've used it before, but I can't think of of one better. You think of... uh, Children in an orphanage. I don't know, do they even have orphanages anymore? But I know how they how they used to be. There's all these kids in this orphanage, you know, just barely taken care of. And here comes a fine car driving up the, the driveway. And a man gets out in a black three-piece suit or a red tie. I mean, oh, his hair is just back just right. I mean, oh, he's something. And this woman gets out. Oh, she's... Beautiful, just a beautiful woman in a beautiful dress. And they hold hands and they walk up to that orphanage. All those kids start lining up. These folks are looking to adopt a child. Well, there's some rotten teenager over here. He'd been, he'd been, this isn't his first rodeo. He'd been through this, this dog and pony show before. He's not bothering to get up. He's not bothering to go up and try to present himself to them because this is what he knows. They're, they're going to pick a baby. Everybody loves a baby. Baby's cuter teenager every day of the week, aren't they? Or maybe some little toddler that's so cute, you know, they'll want to adopt him. But this teenager, this sullen teenager, no, there's no hope for me. And that handsome couple looks at every child in that orphanage and chooses that sullen teenager to take home to be their son. Isn't that something? You multiply that by billions and billions and that's the shock that a holy God would choose somebody like you and me to adopt in his family. God could have chosen anybody, anybody, and by his will, according to the good pleasure of his will, that's what it says, he chose to save sinners and to adopt them and make them his children. There's a song line I used to hear sung when I was a boy. The line says, I'm not worthy to be here, but thank God I belong. (laughs) Thank God I belong. 
Now that's a blessing. God makes his people belong because he made them his children. If you're a child of God, what else you want? Huh? Then fifth, the Lord's blessing to his people is the blessing of acceptance. Verse 6 says, to the praise of the glory of his grace. That's why God did it all, to, to glorify his grace. Wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Now, we already saw this. God chose a people, not because anything had to do with them, just because he would, according to the good pleasure of his will. He chose them, he saw them in Christ. Now, just think. If God saved you, he chose you in Christ. Okay, you know, I see that. But now he tells you, you got to act right in order to keep your salvation. You can come to me in prayer, but now Lord, I'm only going to hear you if you act right. If, you, if you're doing it good enough, you know, then I'll hear you. Otherwise, I won't. You'll, the only way you can be accepted and keep this acceptance is if you keep acting right. Well, that'd be a burden, wouldn't it? It'd be a burden we couldn't carry. Can you carry that? I mean, I know I can't. If that was true, that you've got to keep acting good enough for God to accept you and hear your prayers, we'd have no good news for sinners, would we? But to hear your acceptance with the Father has always been and will always be based upon the merits of Christ. Oh, that's good news. That's a blessing. Because the son's always accepted. The son is perfect. He's always accepted. To know that I'm accepted on the merits of Christ, on the merits of God's son, that's a blessing, isn't it? It takes all the pressure off instead of putting the pressure on. Here's a pretty good hint for you. Any message you hear puts the pressure on you is not the gospel. <laughs> the gospel always takes the pressure off. Because it's based on the merits of Christ, not based upon my merits. Then last, the blessing of the Lord for his people. It's the blessing of redemption. Verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Now this matter of redemption is mighty important. You see, our sin has placed a price on our head. It's a price that God's justice demands be paid. This has got to be paid in full. There's got to be death for sin. Well, our problem is we can't pay that price. So God's justice demands that we spend eternity in hell. And we're so worthless. Talk about the, the better Blessing the lesser. We're so much lesser. We're so worthless. An eternity of suffering in hell wouldn't pay for one of our sins. That's how worthless we are. God's justice has a hold on us and that justice must be satisfied. Now I know the Father chose the people. He chose them. He elected them unto salvation. I know that. But before, and like I said, if scripture makes anything obvious, it's that, right? God, the Father elected a people unto salvation. But those people cannot go into God's presence until the price has been paid to satisfy God's justice. 
Our sin debt is a debt that's owed to God. We owe it to Him. He's the creditor. He's the one we've sinned against. And we can't pay the price. Do you know what God did for His elect? He paid the redemption price for them. The debt's owed to Him. And He's the one that paid it. Do you find me anybody else that's ever done that? The debt's owed to Him. And He's the one that paid it. He didn't just mark it off as bad debt. He paid it. And He paid it with the blood of His darling Son. His only begotten Son. Christ has redeemed his people from the curse of the law being made a curse for them. Christ paid the debt that was owed to him so that his people could go free. Now that's a blessing, isn't it? It's a blessing of grace, not works. Not our works. Now if the Lord's given you every spiritual blessing, everything we've mentioned here and so many more we don't have time to to talk about, if Lord's given you every spiritual blessing, He's given you all this. You've got it all. You've got it all. Because we're in this vile, vile flesh, because we've still got this vile, awful, rotten sin nature, I know it doesn't feel like it. Sometimes. But we need to ignore our feelings and pay attention to what the Word of God says. The Lord says He's blessed His people with all spiritual blessings. If the Lord's given you this, He's blessed you with the blessing. The blessing of His Son. And everything else you can think of that you would desire physically and materially, Pales in comparison. I mean, you can't even begin to compare that to the Son of God if He's given you His Son. Now, when the Lord comes to bless you, what do you want to hear? Huh? What do you want? What, what, what do you desire that the Lord would give you? When I look at those things, I really don't care if I have a nicer hotel room for the night. <laughs> I'm looking for that city, aren't you? I'm looking for that city. And if the Lord's blessed you like that, I'm telling you, your heart is thrilled to think how God has blessed you for Christ's sake. Not your sake. For Christ's sake. Now I'm just sure. Don't you reckon that's what Jacob wanted for old Pharaoh? I know this. That's what old Frank wants from the Lord. <laughs> I pray he'd give it to us. That's what I want for you. That's what we want for others that we know. Especially our loved ones, but others. That's what, what that's the blessing we want for them, isn't it? That the Lord reveal himself to them and bless them that way. That's what we want. All right, let's bow together. Our Father, how we thank you for this blessing of the Lord the blessing that you've been pleased to give your people in your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray you bless us. Bless each heart with this great blessing. Reveal your Son to us. And Father, cause us to cling to Him. Cause us to let go of all the the things of this life, 
hold them loosely. Let them go. Just treat them with the significance that, that they're due. And let us embrace and cling to the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, how we thank you that you'd save sinners. How we thank you that you continue to, to bless your children. Despite our weak faith and our stumbling and bumblings, that it's always for Christ's sake. Father, we're so thankful. Now, Father, bless your word, we pray. Bless it to, to your glory and to the good and edification and comfort of your people. Father, it's in Christ's name. For his sake and his glory, we pray. Amen. All right, Isaac.